This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media. The following is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to the Divine Assembly podcast. I am Shayla, and I am here with founder of the Divine Assembly, Steve Urquhart. We will both be hosting this podcast as time goes on, speaking to various different people about their experiences with psilocybin, whether they've personally experienced it uh, indirectly, or maybe they want to, and they have questions. We want to make sure that we're doing our best to open the doors and open the lines of communication and etc. So Steve, welcome. I did the trailer and uh, opened this up. So let's, let's learn a little bit more about you. Hello, hello. Let's do this. Excellent. So let's talk about why the Divine Assembly. We've, we've addressed a little bit about what the goal is here. So where did this come from? So I was in organized religion for most of my life, um, kind of moved away from that about a decade ago. And, um, you know, didn't have, didn't really know what I stood for. Um, a lot of it, a lot of my religious experience had been check the box and uh, mm-hmm. uh, racking up celestial Bitcoin and didn't <laughs> really know exactly what I stood for and didn't really have my own moral and ethical code. So I've been working to develop that. And part of that has uh, been psychedelics. I didn't think that would be a big part of it, but uh, my wife and I found our way toward psychedelics about four years ago and then uh, toward mushrooms um, shortly after that. And I've had experiences that I think are far more spiritual and holy than anything I ever had in organized religion. And uh, I wanted others to be able to safely, um, that means legally and physically, have those same experiences to commune with the divine. Um, I was in the, the I was in the state legislature for 16 years and fought for LGBTQ rights. And a lot of that meant fighting against organized religion. Mm-hmm. And uh, organized religion uses the Religious Freedom Restoration Act to do some bad things to discriminate against individuals. And I figured we should be able to have those same protections to do good things, to worship God with our psilocybin sacrament. Awesome. That's fantastic. I know that there's a preconceived notion, not only in the state of Utah, I mean, maybe especially, but in this country, the U.S., even more broad than that, that psilocybin, psychedelics, regardless of what form they come in are bad, that these are things that will lead you down the path of needing to go to rehab, losing your job and your family. Where, what, what led you down the path of thinking, this is something I actually want to try, especially coming from a, a very organized religion side of things? Well, it's a funny story. My friends uh, had done some ayahuasca sessions. And so my wife, who really is quite socially conservative, I, I talked with her about that. And she said, that sounds interesting. And we read some articles and um, we were in Amsterdam. And I don't exactly remember exactly how it happened, but... <laughs> I started looking around and that night we were in someone's apartment um, doing an ayahuasca ceremony. And <laughs> when in Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, we, yeah, we went down to The Hague to do it just, you know, to, for the histor- sake of the historical record. It, it was fantastic. Now, that's part of the deal is we when people start to get into the space, the guide they go to typically is the only guide they know. Mm-hmm. They, they find someone, hey, I'm, I want to do this. We happened into a very good guide. Right. Well, that was just 
dumb luck. I yeah, mean, what if yeah. it happened into bad guy? That's part of what I want to do in normalizing this, uh, moving it into the religious space where it belongs is let's move it above ground so we can communicate back and forth. We can build community and we can uh, have better information on who the safe guides are, on how to integrate the experiences and how to really heal and progress. I love that. So let me ask you a question. Please. How, uh, how and when did you get into the psychedelic space? Well, I was like one of 10 people that the dare program worked on and so it terrified me anything that wasn't alcohol which for some reason that didn't terrify me daryl gates and nancy reagan we're going back right right way back way back um so the first time i had an experience was into my mid to late 30s and which really wasn't that long ago but i am grateful that it took me that long to discover it because i feel like i really went into it with the intention of trying to to figure things out to really try to figure out who I am, what the world is about, where am I meant to go, what am I meant to do and be. And it's it took me a lot of research, um, a lot of really honest, open communication to get all the answers that I needed to feel safe in actually going through with it. Just like with anything else, I think opening that communication, regardless of who it's with, as long as they're a knowledgeable person and you can trust them, that it helps take the fear out of so much, whether it's psychedelic use, um, abuse, um, really anything that keeps us down. Once we can open that communication lanes, we can actually start to educate ourselves and make a decision based on education versus indoctrination. But as soon as I had my experiences, I knew I was onto something. I knew I was able to finally push past some personally uh, inflicted boundaries and walls that, that I didn't really notice were there until after the fact that I knew I had to put in the work. I knew I had a lot of healing to do, but this was a tool that I could use to get where I needed to be. Over the course of this podcast, can we go into some details on some of the yeah. traumas and some of the Absolutely. healing that you've done? Definitely. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'm definitely willing to share. I think it's been significant and wonderful and happy to share. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I look forward to it. Let me ask you a candid question. When you hear the words God and religion, what do you think? Kind of gives me a stomach ache. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's heavy. Yeah. It feels heavy. It feels judgmental. It feels full of rules. And I've never been one for rules. Layered with tons of bullshit. Oh, yeah. 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 Not only judgment from wherever the source of that comes from, but anybody else who follows that source. And isn't that a shame? I mean... God talk, that's that's the way the humans have always described a superlative, right? I mean, it's it's better than anything we know. And so part of my deal is in these experiences, I don't have words to describe yeah. how I feel. Mm -hmm. I have to resort to religious words. It's, right. it's rapture. And, uh, you know, so I, I, I just look how God has been co-opted. God has been degraded by, you know, a lot of bigots and, uh, you know, a lot of people who really want to divide and do horrible things. And I kind of like the idea of redeeming God through this effort. Absolutely. No, I agree with you. It's it. God has been commercialized in so many ways that there there's no respect or true understanding anymore of what that truly means. It's been watered down so much Yeah. Uh, based on opinion versus 
experience. You know, and this is the fun thing in life when you realize you don't have to live by other people's yes. definitions and notions. Earlier, you you said that the psychedelic space um, is, is just lathered thick with people saying, oh, this is harmful. This is crazy. This is bad. Well, at some point you try it and realize, wow, they were wrong. Mm-hmm. I don't have to live by that. And the same thing, God, it really is a word that turns off a lot of really good people right. because of what people have done to it. We just don't have to live by other people's notions of God. I like, I love the idea. This is what the divine assembly is about. We can commune directly with the divine yeah. in these, uh, in these mystical states of consciousness. And each of us can walk away. I mean, I sure walk away with, uh, an authoritative view of what God is. Now, let me clarify that's authoritative to me. Yes. Yeah. And, and when I see God, I see it in the form of my wife and my kids and no one has to follow that. I mean, if they do follow that, I'm going to think they're a little weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my wife might love it if, if they think she's God, but, but you know, People can go and have their own experience. Yes. This isn't a top-down hierarchical dogma sort of thing. Just here's the sacrament. Use it safely. I want to talk a lot about safety. Mm-hmm. Use it safely. Use it in ceremonially and, and as part of a sincere religious practice. And um, I'm going to submit that they can have encounters with divine that will guide them directly. Absolutely. I think one of the things that I've heard most about family members or friends who were uh, members of specific organized religions that you have a personal relationship with God, but that's not what I actually saw happening. I saw them being convinced at a very young age of what that's supposed to look like. And even the word spiritual was some was a word that I felt had a negative effect on me as well for a long time until I started experiencing psychedelics myself. Now I would consider myself spiritual, but it's on my terms. And that's the best part of it. It can be as amazing or as terrifying as I, as I can produce in my mind. But ultimately I know that that's my experience to have. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a funny concept when most religions say you are entitled to your own spiritual experiences, your own revelations. That's not really true because your revelations, they have to conform Mm -hmm. to the revelations that the founder or early acolytes had Mm -hmm. or by definition, it's blasphemy. Right. And so that's how most religions work is the founder has some visions, maybe some early folks around the founder, they have some visions and then everything has to conform to that. You know, your notion of God has to conform salvation, whatever it is. And, um, you know, if, if, if I'm your spiritual guide, then wow, you, you might want to look otherwise because right. I'm a lawyer and, uh, <laughs> you know, that's what I do really well. And, you know, as a matter of fact, I want to get into this at some point talking about safety. I don't guide people, mm-hmm. uh, on these, um, ceremonial experiences. I don't think that I have the talent. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I don't have the knowledge. I do believe that degrees can be important in this. Expertise can be important in this. And mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if you need me to help you with a legal jam, I can probably do that. But if you want to have a spiritual experience, I'm happy to sit next to you and yeah. man, I will have it with you. And But uh, let's probably have someone else guide us on that. Right. Right. That's really interesting. And it, I would love to talk more about um, maybe not just the, the facts, but opinions also that are out there about what makes a person a guide, yeah. good or bad. What constitutes a person who is good for that sort of thing? Yeah. Um, it's the safety aspect is huge. And I think that that's what helps keep those experiences moving in a healthy healing space versus a traumatic one. 
Yeah. Have you ever had a bad guide? Let's let's start maybe with the negative of what should a guide not be? Honestly, I've not had a bad guide, but I've heard of them. And we'll, we'll, we'll then turn the microphone back over to me. No, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I've heard of experiences that other people have had and immediately it's like there's a rod in my spine and my neck hairs start to tingle like danger, danger. There are red flags everywhere. Didn't you see this when you were there? Yeah. Um, but I think that it's a really easy space for people to be taken advantage of. Exactly. I mean, that's the beauty and wonder of uh, psilocybin is it puts you in a vulnerable condition. Absolutely. And in that vulnerable condition, you're extremely open and uh, you're open to spiritual visions. You're open to encountering the divine, but you're also open to suggestion. You're open to psychological, spiritual predation. Mm -hmm. You're open to sexual predation. And so that, again, if we want to stop that, if well, or discourage it, you Mm know, um, minimize it, then the more open we can make this practice, then the safer it can be. So I had, I had, I've had many fabulous guides Mm -hmm. and and I'd like to talk about each of them as we move forward, but to tee up what a guide should not be, um, you know, I've had two that there was a lot of ego behind Mm -hmm. it and it really was about the guide. And, uh, you know, one bought, one brought a lot of, uh, patriarchy and sexism into the space, Mm -hmm. you know, another, um, it was a great ceremony, but then, you know, she really just had to work out her stuff with, with all of us there and it was I remember it was a great experience but I don't remember anything other than you know a big long lecture which was really wow. for all of yeah it was, wow. it was it was it was not good and so yeah but I'm glad that happened pretty early in my experience and I'm really glad because that made me think about okay what should a guide be and uh, I have some definite opinions on that right and having a bad guide could really put you off to the being open to having a good guide mm mm-hmm. Um, so, which is another important reason to be pressing into here are things to avoid, here are ways to stay safe, here are the ways to maybe vet people or turn to community to look for people who have already vetted someone so that you don't end up rather than trying to heal trauma being traumatized right. in a new way. Right. Yeah. And so one of these experiences, it just happened out to be perfect that we uh, we were using psilocybin at night and uh, it really was an aggressive, not that great experience um, at the end of it when we all kind of got chewed out for existing. Wow. But then the next morning, um, one of the people grabbed me and said, come with me. And we went to uh, a cacao ceremony mm-hmm. with yoga and oh my gosh, it was, it was so beautiful. And so that's another thing that I want to talk about is, is the divine assembly. We do talk about the psilocybin sacrament. Mm-hmm. I believe that can help us uh, encounter the divine, but it doesn't have to be psilocybin. Right. I mean, it can be prayer, yoga, meditation. It can be song. There's so many ways to enter that beautiful mystical state of consciousness. Absolutely. And as human beings, we're totally capable of getting there without the use of any sort of psychedelic. Yeah. It, it's a matter of practicing which is not a bad thing. There's a lot of things to learn in the process of going through that process. It, this is just sort of a fast track to yeah. get there. The work is still needed. It's a different type of work, and it happens after the fact versus before the fact. Yeah, I really want to get um, 
Sarah, my wife, on one of these podcasts to talk about our journeys, um, mm-hmm. as as uh, you know, and Chris, our producer, knows. Um, Sarah is uh, uh, she's she's serious. Mm-hmm. She's straightforward. She likes her lists. She's very matter of fact, and everything. I am not. <laughs> um, we really enjoy each other, but we're we're very different. And yeah, I'd love to go over her experience because um, she came in with a list of five things, and uh, we're going to take care of these and she did kind of get you know in the history of psychedelics she's the first one that uh, I think psychedelics they were a little afraid of her so they're just like okay here it is one two three four five but so you know she had some real issues uh, that she was working through one of them was uh, deprogramming religious Mm -hmm. dogma and and all the harm that that brought and so she went to her therapist uh, the next week and uh, he's he's a very conservative religious person and uh, she said I did ayahuasca last week and here's what I came up with in Bless his heart. He was he was astounded. He loved it. He said, "Wow, some doors have really been opened." That's fantastic. Um, you know, wow. I didn't right. know when we were going to get to this point. Let's let's go from here. And so, you know, he clearly saw it, and uh, that hits home to me again the importance of integration. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. The studies that are out there that are happening right now, mainly with Johns Hopkins right now, with with certified, trained therapists helping. people people through their experiences is huge for our community. Yeah. And it opened the door for us to be able to be more open about even just communicating, not even having these experiences in person necessarily, but having the conversations, having those conversations where there actually being some backing to show that there is proof that these things work and these things help us grow and heal. Right. With the Divine Assembly, I want to explore religious space, the spirituality um, of psilocybin mushrooms. I think that, as Bob Jess would put it, uh, for the betterment of well people. Um, But I do love the medicalization that is going on, the science and research that are going on. Um, That just tells the world that there can be some great benefits Mm -hmm. from these substances. I mean, yeah, John Hopkins, you look at the work that's going on there um, with psilocybin and and, uh, and depression, mm-hmm. really some fantastic breakthroughs. You look at MAPS and the great work that it's doing right. um, with MDMA and PTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, there's magic. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think it's a shame if we would just limit it to medicalization because really uh, uh, well people also can benefit from this and you know at the end of the day who's really well who's really whole aren't we all a little broken uh, and, and, and traumatized to some degree absolutely yeah absolutely I think that shows up in so many places in our lives in general it's whether you're personal life in your home, your job, your relationships with your friends. We all have something we can work out. It doesn't really have to be, no one is totally well. Yeah. And even have going into it with wanting to experience the religious side of things, it affects all parts of our bodies and our brains. Yeah. I love when Sarah is asked the question, what do you think of Steve and the church? <laughs> Basically, <laughs> isn't this crazy? And uh, so she just says, I love it. She says, he's never been healthier. Um, I, I will take this Steve over over the previous version any day. And she loves the healing. And um, the fun thing is, since I announced uh, not long ago that we were going to do this, the Divine Assembly, to uh, worship the divine through psilocybin sacrament, I've had so many people 
approached me um, saying, this is great. Uh, I've been wanting to do this. I've been hearing about it. Uh, I don't know how to enter the space. Right. I, right. And, and what they're really saying is I don't know how to enter it safely. And that's yes. correct. Where do you go? And um, so I, I love that this can be the portal for people to really heal mm-hmm. and become better. And uh, I've already seen it with uh, with friends. And um, it's it's what a wonderful thing to be a part of. I couldn't agree more. And I am eternally grateful, more and more so every day to be a part of it. It's It feeds into a larger vision that I have for myself in the world. And to be a part of it at this point, five years ago, I would have laughed. I never would have expected this to be the case. And I'm really grateful for it. Okay. So the Divine Assembly right now is in its infancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, what should it look like when it's all grown up? You know, I really don't think that it should look a whole lot different. Um, aside from just the, in, in my opinion, of course, the awareness of what it is to be bigger and respected. I think there are certain things that that I would like to see grow with it, like the respect of it. And I think that the way that it's been approached so far in, in announcing it, in planning and everything else has been really intentional. And it that breeds respect. The people who are... We're, we're getting some sign yeah. to, from our producer <laughs> that is it's not. completely <laughs> illegible. <laughs> we, we, we need to work on our code. <laughs> what this? Um, yeah, so ultimately I respect, even for people who are not in the space, they can still have respect for what's happening because they're seeing the good that's happening. Yeah. Um, and including lots of different people from lots of different backgrounds to come in, share their experience, share their expertise, and just create a bigger community for people to have as a safety net. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hopeful that we will never have hierarchical dogma. Mm-hmm. You know, I come mm-hmm. from a religious tradition that everyone is confined to agree with, uh, the vision that one human had a long time ago and uh, you have a bunch of old men who are telling people exactly uh, how they should live their lives and um, laying out all these rules and I just don't I just don't think we need that I mean I really do believe in our ability as humans to commune with something better which I call the divine something infinite and to get guidance from that yeah and as part of that I believe we can build a community where we can share our stories and we can come up with best practices we Mm -hmm. can come up with visions and stories that will inspire each other but I'm really hopeful that no story ever becomes definitive. Right. Yeah. Um, I just think that is all about control. Mm-hmm. When someone said, when the minute someone says, I have had a vision and everyone must abide by that vision. I just, I think that is horseshit. Yeah. I don't think that's how these spiritual things should work. I agree. I definitely agree. And one of the biggest things that I love about what is happening with the divine assembly is the individualism, the expectation that you're going to take this as you will and use it, use your communications, your relationships with the divine in the way that suits you best. Now, if you come together in a group of people and have those experiences together, you're still individually having an experience. And it's, it's so important for us to have a good relationship with ourselves in that space without totally and completely relying on a big group of people. Cause then what happens when that group of people isn't there anymore? 
Right. So I went into several ceremonies um, with the intention of what should I do with the divine assembly? What should the divine assembly be? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I came away from those kind of frustrated because I was getting wonderful insights about me mm-hmm. and about me healing and becoming a better person and you know not much about the divine assembly but then i realized well wait this is a project that i'm initiating and i want it to grow beyond me to where people are are blessed by it mm-hmm. again a religious word i use mm-hmm. it intentionally and they have no idea who I am. I would just love that. And so to do that, to do something that isn't just my ego manifest, you know, writ large, I need to be a better person. And so I think that probably applies to all of us. What should I do in this situation? What should I do? And, you know, the answer might be, well, heal, Mm -hmm. heal, you know, become the best possible version of yourself you can be. And then you'll figure it out. You got a brain, you got a heart. Absolutely. I truly believe that's what has led me here. It was not intentional. I didn't think two years ago, wow, I hope I can be a part of a psilocybin church at some point. That just wasn't in my view at all. But I worked on healing myself and the things that needed to happen did to lead me to this point. So one episode, we probably should talk about the organization of the church. That probably could be its own episode. But basically, it is like the mycelium. It's uh, like the, the growth pattern of mushrooms. I mean, everyone thinks of the mushroom you're looking at mm-hmm. that fruits above, but really the beauty is in the roots, if we can call it that, that right. there's no real central tap root. It just kind of spreads all along. And that's how I want the assembly to be where um, people, everyone gets together with their group, their friends, and then they believe the tenet that they can commune directly with the divine. Mm-hmm. And that being the tenet and then abiding by, you know, best practices and safety, well, they can come up with something that appeals to them. Yes. Which could be quite different than what appeals to you, what appeals to me. Absolutely. And how fun if we have all of this creativity, um, all of these different models out there, that'd be fun to get together and compare notes. Absolutely. Yes. The, com- the communication that I see happening is is up there with the community, which go together. But being able to have conversations with other people who are having their own experiences and not, it, it gets very lonely being the person that's bringing up the conversation and, and educating people all the time when they're looking at you like you have six heads. Mm-hmm. So being able to go to have that space and then also have a space where you can talk to someone who's had their own experiences and compare notes and talk about those things is a very, it feels, I think community is, it's a little bigger than I think. It feels more intimate being able to have those conversations. Yeah. And I think community is the opposite of monolithic thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, I look at my wife and uh, uh, a lot of the people I really gravitate to in the space, uh, she thinks they're weird. I mean, Mm -hmm. let's use the word, (laughs) Um, you know, her, 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 her congregation in the divine assembly, they're going to have lists and graph papers and, (laughs) you know, mine, we're going to, we're going to burn sage. We're going to have drums, maybe dancing bears. I mean, you know, they would look quite different and, uh, you know, her stuff, the way she approaches things, that's not how I do that. 
that doesn't appeal to me. Right. And, you know, the way that I approach things, um, it, it really turns her off. Mm-hmm. And so spiritually, I do think that we, we connect with the divine differently. And that includes the people that we do it with. It yes. There isn't, as long as people are safe, mm-hmm. as long as we keep people safe, there's really not a right or wrong in this. Absolutely agree. Absolutely. This is a pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you. Let's do it again. Please. This podcast produced by Van Garrett Media.